God. Father, thank you for this time together. Our hearts are full as we listen to these little ones praise God in such a unique way. Little souls, little hearts, Lord, many of them you still will claim someday we trust. But singing those truths already, starting to understand that there is a God and he did something unique. He did something so special at this time of year, Lord. And what worship that brings out of all ages, Lord. Lord, I'm so grateful for the parents that are in this room. That they would desire to see their children want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. They would shepherd them at home and then put them somewhere where some church like this and many others could come alongside and, and help them know the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the grandparents in this room. What a great ministry they have to those little ones as they love on those second generation from what they raised now. Now they have an opportunity to, to speak to them, Lord. So what a blessing to see so many grandparents here tonight, Lord. May we be good stewards of those gifts of the children, Lord. Father, we are so grateful. Our hearts are full of joy this time of year. We thank you for the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise, pray you this in all your name, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I was thinking about joy today as just, as the season goes on, it's a busy season for many of us in ministry, but the more I sing, the more I teach on the incarnation, it's such a joy teaching Isaiah 7 last week, my heart just keeps getting more full of joy in this Christmas season. And so I began to think about, well, why is that? What, what is that? What's causing that to do that? Now, don't laugh too hard at me. Many of you know that I'll, I'll come up with made-up words every once in a while. In fact, in my last church, I had a gentleman who kept a running list of them in his Bible. Well, this morning I came up with a new one. Um, I'm going to have Troy put it up there. Incarnational joy. Incarnational joy. Now, it'll have a red line if you type it on your Word document, but it's mine. So I want to read this definition. I got thinking about what's making me so full of joy as I think about this season. Follow along as I read this definition. You won't find this in Webster, not yet at least. All right. Incarnational joy, the distinct joy that is only experienced by the redeemed. It is a joy that the Spirit creates deep within our souls, but yet it cannot be contained. It is an overwhelming expression of gratitude that Christ would add flesh to his divine nature so that he could rescue us from our sins and secure us for eternity. This joy often peaks during Christmas time as we remember the birth of our King. However, this joy flows from the cradle to the cross, from the resurrection to eternity for each individual who has received this perfect gift. That's incarnational joy. And if you're here, you say, well, I don't know what that word incarnation means. And that's okay. Uh, incarnation is the, the theological term where God, the Lord Jesus Christ, fully God, steps out of heaven and in order to save us, dresses himself in humanity, takes on flesh, born of a woman, born under the law, lives a perfect life in this flesh as our representatives. So when he hangs on the cross, he is able to hang there for the redeemed. He is our substitute in every aspect. And when we think about that in 2,000 years ago, that this beautiful savior of ours the, the second member of the Trinity, fully God, he was the Word and was with God and was God, steps out of heaven 
and takes on incarnation, dresses himself in flesh so he could rescue us, if that doesn't bring you joy, check your spiritual pulse. Because it's amazing. And that's what's lighting our fire as Christmas, as Christmas goes on. Because the world's a mess. There's viruses and politics and, and all kinds of problems out there. But I have more joy this year than I've ever had. Because I keep studying about God coming to earth. And it encourages me. Joy is just with Christmas. You find it in so many ways. I was thinking about some of the Christmas carols that we sing. They're just saturated with joy. Uh, joy to the world, of course, we, we know that one. It says, let the earth receive her king. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Because Jesus has come. Wonders of his love. Joy to the world. But then Chris Tomlinson added, um, he added that phrase, that chorus. Remember this? Joy unspeakable. Well, I love that when the band introduced that to us. Joy unspeakable. An overflowing well. See, when you know Jesus Christ, that's what happens. There's an overflowing well that comes out of you that Christ would come and die for us. Then he said, no tongue can tell joy, unspeakable joy. We can't get to the end of the words of what we feel about Jesus coming for us. And then he ended this, rises in my soul, never let me go. I actually read that after I wrote that. I go, huh, that's pretty much right along the line of that. So many of the carols, O come, O come, Emmanuel, a sober Christmas carol written from the view of an enslaved nation longing for their Messiah to come. But even within that, you know these words, O come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thy advent here and drive away the shades of night, pierce the clouds and bring us light. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. It's in all of them, even the more sober ones. Come now, long expected Jesus. Remember that one? That's an older one, isn't it? Dear desire of every nation, join, uh, excuse me, joy of every longing heart. O little town of Bethlehem, O morning stars, speaking of the angels, together proclaim the holy birth. Praises sing to God the King, peace to men on earth. While shepherds watch their flocks, glad tidings of great joy I bring to you and all mankind. Angels from the realms of glory, come and worship, come and worship, come and worship the newborn king. Hark the Herald Angels sings one of my favorite uh, hymns just because of the, the theology that's in there. Joyf joyful all ye nations rise. It's Christmas is missional, isn't it? It is, it is no longer just this awaited Messiah for the Jewish people. From the beginning, God said to Abraham, he will be a blessing to all the seeds of all, the, I mean, to the seed of all the nations. He is that great blessing to all. Well, of course, we kind of get this idea when we see his birth. If you have your Bibles, just turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 10, because this is where this joy just explodes. Just look at this for a minute, and then we'll... Go track down our little ones. Listen, they're, get, they're loading them up on sugar back there for you, so just, just wait. Yeah. They've got candy and all, and all kinds of fun things for them. They've worked very hard this year. Luke chapter 10, you know the scene. The, um, this uh, census is going to be taken, and, and people are going back uh, to their places of birth and where they're registered. And, of course, Joseph takes Mary there. And, and while they're there, verse 7, she gives birth, and... We're going to get into that more on, the, on this Sunday. But, but here in verse 10, the angels now have come to these shepherds. And they're out in the fields um, 
uh, in the dark field, probably taking care of temple flocks at this time of year. And the angel of the Lord stood around them in verse 9. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. We'll come back to that in a minute. But the angel of the Lord said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be, listen to this, for all the people. Look at that gospel rejoicing good news. Yeah, we get that Greek word, eulogalion. It is that word we translate good news, but it is the gospel. And notice what, when the gospel is spoken of here, I bring you the gospel of great joy. It brings great joy. Now, what's fascinating is these angels are extremely full of joy, and they're radiating with the glory of God. You can see that in verse 9. And they can't wait to tell them that there is this message, this incredible message that won't return void. And it's not only for Jewish people, but it's for the entire world. And he's laying in a manger. And you need to get up and go see him. See, there's just joy all through this. I, I thought about this this morning as I was writing this down. I thought, why are these angels so excited? The angels are not not elect. I mean, there are elect angels, but, but uh, a fall, let me say it this way. There are elect angels, the Bible's very clear on that, and then there's fallen angels, and there's no redemption for angels. Those that followed Satan, the revelation is very clear. They'll be cast into the pit with the devil himself, and, and they're going to uh, be judged forever. But these elect angels, there's something about them. They're extremely excited about this message. And I thought about it. Well, the Bible teaches us through, through Job and Psalms and different places that most likely those angels were created on the first day of creation. And the Bible says the morning stars, these, these sons of God, they're called in some ways, they watched God create. And they sang at the creation. And, and think about this. They watched day six when God reserved creation for his, his highest image bearers, right? He made man in his image. And they were there and they saw the detail that God put into them as he spoke them into creation and, and formed Adam and breathed life into him and how precious that was. They watched how he put them in this particularly designed garden and, and gave them everything they needed there. And then they watched God's highest creation reject God. And down through the ages, they've been sent to send messages over and over. I love the story of Daniel and, and Michael, the archangel, coming to bring a message uh, to Daniel. And he's caught and he's in a battle in this angelic war in the heavens, trying to get him to detain three, 21 days, the Bible says, as he came to bring a message to Daniel, prophecy of a coming Savior and so forth. All that great truth that was given in Daniel chapter 7. We see angels come and wipe out enemies of Israel. We see angels block the way of donkeys. We see angels involved with God's people all the way through. But now, but now these people who have rejected God, God is going to display grace in this tremendous way to them. And they are excited to tell mankind, we got great news. The long expected one has come. And they're so full of joy. Notice the glory of the Lord shines around them in verse 9. We know they doubtlessly just came from the presence of God. They, they don't have their own um, 
uh, unsustainable glory, right? So they, they, their glory comes from being in the presence of God. And so they've come straight from the presence of God. They have a message to deliver, and they're delivering it to these shepherds. And, and so this whole field lights up with just this one angel, this, this angel of the Lord shone around them, and it frightened them greatly. But notice the message in verse 11 as well. For today in the city of David, that's the promise, Right? That's the promise that goes all the way back to Isaiah. It's the promise that goes back to the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is the one, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one the nation couldn't wait for as they turned to the the gods of the world instead of trusting the God of Israel. This is the one they're waiting for. This is the one that those who believed in God wanted to see. And he's been born for you a savior. See, I've said this many times from this pulpit. Most people don't need a savior. That's why they don't believe. They don't need a savior. I'm not like that other person. I don't need a savior. See, you, you, only if you're a sinner do you need a savior. Are you a sinner? Have you studied the Bible to prove that you're a sinner? See, if you're a sinner, you need a savior. And if you need a savior and he comes, you should be excited. This is why, you know, trees and fat guys in red suits are fun but they're not joyful. This is joy. We have a savior promised from the time of the fall. In your seed of you, woman, will come one who will crush the head of Satan. He's here and he's in a manger and he's gonna represent you. That's good news because if Scott has to represent himself, he's in trouble. I need somebody else to stand in my place. Someone perfect, someone flawless, someone who could hang in my place and God the Father accept his sacrifice on my place. That's why they're so excited. And they're amazed. I love 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1, 10 through 12 there. There it begins to say that as the writers prophesied, wrote in the Old Testament, they went back and studied what they wrote to see the time and who the Christ was that was coming. And at the end of that passage, the Bible says the angels long to look into this. They're extremely curious or anxious to see the grace that God is going to put on these men, this mankind that reject him. And yet they come with such joy. And they announce the birth of a Savior who is Christ. There's that word, Messiah. That's the one we've been longing for, the Messiah, the sent one, who is the Lord. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. We looked at this in Isaiah chapter 7 this last Sunday. You will find the babe wrapped in claws, laying in a manger. That's where he's going to be. You go, boy, that's such a cute story. That's humanity right there. See, this reminds us that the God of heaven stepped out fully, embraced humanity. So many people ask all the time, well, are you sure he was really here? Are you sure it wasn't just some kind of spirit that came on him at the last moment when he was on the cross? Ooh, he would never, he would never be able to say, I'm a high priest that suffered all things in your place, so you can come to me with boldness and confidence. See, he suffered everything. This creator of the world, surrounded by his own creation, possibly cattle and sheep and, and people, there lying in a manger because he had to be born of a woman. He had to be born under the law. He had to be man. Though he was fully God, he had to be man so he could be our substitute. And yet his creation has surrounded him. Verse 13, and suddenly there appeared, they're still back at the angels here, this angel of multitude, of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, I know a lot of people go, well, they didn't sing. I don't know. 
that maybe they were speaking this together, but whatever it is, if there's one angel that lit up the fields, can you imagine this multitude here singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased with? For the very first time, man could have assurance that they would have peace. Look, if you don't have peace with God, you go to hell. That's the way it is. You have to pay for your sins. Somebody has to pay for them. See, what Christians believe is we believe that Christ paid for them for us, right? He hung and took our place. He was our substitute. We have peace through the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 5. So he's come to give peace. This was not a world of peace they lived in. The nation was under tight rule over the Romans. They had had the Greeks before them. They had the Mede-Persians before them. They had had the Babylonians before them. They had the Assyrians before them. They had been brutalized for century after century after century. There was no peace. And friends, today there's no peace in the world. The world's at each other's throats right now. They don't, they're scared to do all kinds of things. We give them clear stats of what's really going on. Nope, afraid to death. The Bible says we can have peace with the Lord Jesus Christ because peace has come and he's here and he's pleased to dwell with us. I love that phrase. He's pleased to be here. Well, our children uh, sang divine truth today, didn't they? And many of them were praying that God will save as they they get older. But their truth that they sang is, is nonetheless untrue because they're children. They sang great truth to remind us that God is worth worshiping. He came, made himself like us, like one of his brethren, to die for us. I hope you have incarnational joy today. I hope you have incarnational joy. I hope you're stirred by the fact as you hear those carols on the radio or you playing them at home or whatever it is and you hear them mention Jesus Christ, our Lord. I hope that stirs you. Don't let it get old. Don't let just that old song and, oh, Bing Crosby singing that again. (laughs) Sorry, young people, that's an old guy, he's dead. Anyway, um, but be refreshed by it. And and I've tried to remind myself, and and every time I hear something, that's my Savior. (laughs) That's my Savior. The cross and the resurrection and all that is so beautiful. It's all such part of the gospel. But if this doesn't happen, if Jesus Christ does not come, to be that perfect sacrifice, we would not have an interest in God. Do you look at the baby in the manger and believe that he is God incarnate? He has to be God or he can't save you. Do you believe that today? If you do, express some joy. <laughs> be a happy Christian this, this holidays. The world needs it. They may even ask you, what bees in your bonnet? You can tell them, here's a box of chocolate. Come to Christmas Eve, Eve service. You'll hear more of what's stirring my heart. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for a church that invests in its young people. It's been doing that for years. And Lord, we thank you that the message is not just for children. It's for every age, Lord. And you seem to draw people to yourself of all walks of life, all ages of life. And you make no mistakes. And you have perfect timing. Father, I pray tonight for someone, Lord, this is the night where you open their heart and you plunge faith into them. And they put their faith that Jesus came to this earth 
fully God and believed. They believed that he died. He died for them, Lord. And it started in this manger scene. So Lord, grant faith. Those of us that know the Lord Jesus Christ, may we have joy this season. Incarnational joy. Joy that it's experienced by the redeemed those who have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And may this season maybe be the happiest for us, Lord. So, Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you again for parents and grandparents here and brothers and sisters, Lord. May this church be used to produce worshipers of the Lord Jesus Christ for many years. In Jesus' name, amen.